welcome back to Paracast, brought to you by Scottish Disability Sport. In today's episode, we'll be speaking with Stephen Maguire. Stephen is a BC4 boxer player with a collection of accolades to match. After discovering the sport, Stephen was thrown right in the deep end and attended competitions to represent his country from the get-go. The excitement was also enough to attract attention from his brother, Peter, who would go on to join Stephen and Dulles, a partnership that would later bring success for them both. All that and more on today's episode of Paracast. Stephen suffers from muscular dystrophy. Um, could you just sort of uh, describe to us what that is? Sure. Muscular dystrophy is a, it's a muscle wasting condition. Uh, so it, it will continue to degenerate throughout your life, basically. Um, so it affects all your sort of skeletal muscles, even your internal muscles like your heart and your lungs and, and all, all that sort of stuff. So growing up, I was able to walk until I was probably the age of 15, 16, where basically my leg muscles just became too weak to, to carry me. Um, and then I went into a, a power chair. Um, so, yeah, it's basically there's no cure at the moment, but there is progress there. So it is looking good for the future. But uh, So it will continue to degenerate. But the very positive thing is through sport, it's kind of stabilized quite a lot. So I'll come on to that a bit later, which is which is excellent. Yeah. So, so you spoke there about how it sort of affected you around about the age of 15, 16. When would you say um, it sort of first started affecting you? To be honest, it's it's affected me my whole life. My brother also has muscular dystrophy and he's two years older. So, you know, he they'll sort of talk about baby development stages, you know, the time they start walking, the time they start doing certain things. And, and we were always a bit late. So... Once they recognised that Pete had the condition, they tested me straight away, and we realised that you know I had it from birth. So it, it was it was no real surprise. So I, I probably started walking around the age of two, two and a half, uh, where some guys would have been a bit earlier than that. And um, so don't get me wrong, I don't think it affected me because that's all I knew at the time. You know, I've I've only known that since birth. So you know, I I always knew I was slow. I always knew I walked a little bit funny than others. But to be honest, it didn't affect me. Uh, and from a young age, um, <clears throat> obviously, as as kids, everyone uh, always enjoys going, having a kick about with their mates, um, doing races in the school playground. Would you say that um, growing up with a disability changed that for you in any way, or were you still sort of always up to up to no good and up to sports as a young kid? Yeah, I had the best childhood, to be honest. You know, it, it was literally kicked out and playing, coming at 10 o'clock at night, coming for your dinner. So uh, anything that my peers did, I did also. And, and that was playing golf, playing football, even running. I was half the speed of my, you know, my peers. But don't get me wrong, at that age, uh, you know, kids are great. They, they adapt so quickly and they just made allowances. They said, right, Stephen, we're running the, the length of the football pitch. You start at the halfway line. You know, so I was always given a little yeah. head start and, and, and it was great. So I, I knew early on that sport and being active was something I just loved. And also, I think it was my family that, that sort of pushed it a little bit and said, you know what? The more you're active, the more your muscles will keep working. So so you will walk, you will run, you will play. You know, So we were not wrapped in cotton wool at all. Yeah, Um I think that's always the best way to go, actually. I think you hear that with a lot of athletes. It's um, it's always a support when they're young uh, that always helps them push through. And especially people who are introduced to sport at a young age, which you were, um, 
But moving on a little bit further, uh, more into your teenage years, that's when you actually first discovered Botcher. Do you just want to uh, talk us through how you first discovered Botcher as a spot? Yeah, certainly. I'll be showing my age here a little bit. But when I, when I was at school, I remember watching the opening ceremony of Sydney 2000 Paralympic Games. And at the time, I was just fascinated by all the participants and, and their various impairments. And, you know, some... Some athletes, I remember, were parading around the stadium on crutches and doing handstands with their crutches. And it just looked incredible and something that, that I knew I would love to be part of. But I suppose back then, you know, I was quite young as well, but there was not much coverage of the Paralympic Games or para-athletes as there is now. So it kind of went to the back of my mind for a, you know, for a while. And then all of a sudden, Athens 2004 uh, sort of came round again. And, and once again, I was mesmer- mesmerised by it. The, the opening ceremony and this time I was looking for uh, specific athletes and sp- people people in power chairs I was going I wonder what they do you know because because I was in a power chair at the yeah. time and I was trying to figure out what what kind of sports could they do and to be honest I was glued to it for the next two weeks but I kind of knew straight away at that moment that that I wanted to be a, par- a Paralympian that 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 was my dream um so as soon as Athens sort of finished I sent letters, many letters and emails away to, to Paralympic sports. And uh, I, I picked ones that I thought I would physically be able to do at the time. So that was swimming, table tennis and and boccia, which at the time I only knew boccia by name. You know, I, I never knew what it was because I never, I never sort of did it at school. And it was kind of like a month after uh, Athens had finished, I got, I was pinged back an email from a lady called Jacqueline Lynn who at the time she'd just returned from Athens and she was the lead performance coach in Boccia. And it was just by chance, really, that she was Scottish. She lived six miles away from me and, and she really took that time to explain the sport. She explained the sport to me. She invited me along to, uh, I remember it well, it was the Scottish Championships. It was uh, February. It was freezing. It was a Saturday morning and I didn't drive at the time and I had to try and get my dad, you know, can you please take me along to see that this sport is? And he's like, he'd never heard of it either. But uh, managed to convince him. I wasn't even sure if I would play or I would just watch it. You know, I knew nothing. All I knew was Jackie said, come along, see this sport. So I remember I went along. I remember going up to the desk asking who Jackie was because, again, I'd never seen a photo of her. Yeah. And this, it was this, I'll, I'll say little because she's, she's quite petite and small. This bundle of energy came, you know, bouncing along, and you could see straight away this passion for disability sport and 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 boccia in itself. And yeah, so that was my first sort of introduction to what boccia was. So I, I watched the, I didn't understand the game. I just seen some athletes throwing balls, and I remember Jackie. She gave me around ten to twelve balls, and she said, "Just throw them." So she just said, "Throw them." So I just chucked them any way I could, any way I thought was was the way to throw a boccia ball, and. That was 2005, February 2005. And I'll never forget the next words that come out of our mouth, which was just literally, would you like to represent Scotland at the European Championships this summer? You know, so I was like anybody I was thinking at the time, I was like, oh, they must have thrown those balls. They're most amazing. You know, they must, yeah. they must be brilliant. But no, no chance. In truth, it was because I was the first BC4 in Scotland and I was going to be the first BC4 classified in the United Kingdom. So it wasn't that was any good. She just wanted to see if I was classifiable. Yeah. So, so in between um, in, in between first being introduced to it as a sport and then um, actually 
uh, sort of the, the whole classification process and stuff. Uh, what was it like when you first properly got involved? Was there any club that you went to? Was there any uh, coaches that in particularly um, inspired you along your way? Who was, what was sort of the first uh, stepping stone on that path? Yeah, back back then there wasn't so many clubs. A lot of the athletes, they just trained locally on their own and we came together as a Scotland squad once a month. So it was one Saturday every month where we where we came together for four hours and just shared experiences and training drills and things like that. Um, so I was kind of thrown in the deep end. My first competition was the European Championships. I had no competition before that. I didn't really understand the rules or the equipment. Um, but that was in Portugal, June 2005. And it was just the most incredible trip. I remember it from getting this the Scotland kit. I was part of an opening ceremony for the first time. I remember being in the field of play, looking up and seeing there was like 24 nations flags from all around Europe. And I just knew that, that Botch at that time was the perfect fit for me. I knew it, it had a pathway to, to to allow me to achieve my dream of becoming a Paralympian. And uh, yeah, I, I returned just armed with loads of stories, you know, about how it went, about representing my country, which was always a dream. And in fact, all, all the laughter and the friends that I'd made from different nations. It was it was just the most incredible experience. Um, but when when I came back, I knew that the only way you could qualify for the Paralympics was through the pairs qualification. And because I was the first BC4 individual, I didn't have a pairs partner. There was no one. So I only played half the week. And I came home and I, I mentioned earlier, my brother also had muscular dystrophy. So I was desperately, you know, trying to get him involved in he. He wasn't having it. He wasn't. He's like, nah, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. Until he found out that the world champs uh, the following year was going to be in Copacabana Beach in Rio. So <laughs> he wanted to go to Copacabana. Yeah. Fair play to him. He, he stepped <laughs> up. He did the training and he took to it like a doctor water. So it was good to finally have that 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 pairs partner I could train with. What was it like um, being able to represent your country at? such a such a sort of new level because you had already mentioned that it was something that you had dreamed of when you had uh, looked up to these people who were competing in in the Paralympics in 2000 2004 so what was it like being chucked in the deep end that quickly it was literally going and enjoy it and see and see how you do it it, it, it was yeah for me it was a, the most incredible experience um growing up with a disability you know I think every kid dreams of playing football or rugby or one of these major sports for their country and you know I knew that wasn't an option but to, to find a sport that could help me fulfill my dream of potentially becoming a Paralympian at that time that was everything that was everything um, so and, and plus it opened an avenue to travel so before that you know traveling with wheelchairs is not easy but to to travel with with ten to twelve wheelchairs as a squad is, is even more complicated. Than yeah, just to watch, just to watch the way all these guys do it and learn, and it gives you so much confidence that you want to do it on your own. And it's something that that really took from the sport. And you often hear from um, people who are going to their first competitions when they're young. There's always that pressure on them to to actually be able to perform well if they're if they're in some of like the really top sport disciplines like swimming or or athletics or cycling and stuff, seeming as you would sort of come in so new and you'd come in with that different mindset of just going in and enjoying yourself, I suppose that in a way that completely changed your experience from what it would be for an athlete who would say been doing one sport for four or five years, working up to going to their first competition and then and then doing that. Yeah. 
it, it certainly helped me in that regard where there was no expectation on me, even from the coaches. You know, it wasn't we want this from you. There was nothing like that. So I literally did just go and enjoy it. I remember I won one end. We play four ends in the boxing match. I won one end of each match that I played out of the European Championships. So I kind of knew I was okay. If I prove it this, you know, maybe I could, I could, I could, I could do a bit more. But, but saying that, because the Europeans was my first competition, uh, in a way, it probably hindered me a little because it took me six years to win my first individual match internationally. Where, you know, if, if I was playing for a few years at home, a few competitions, I would understand the tactics and, and things in between. I had no idea what was happening, so I was literally just going. Trying what I could, and but above all, loving it. Absolutely loved it. What was your family and friends' reaction when you come home to this new spot that you're trying, and all of a sudden you'll be going off to Portugal? <laughs> yeah, they were excited. My family are extremely supportive. They're they're, they're my biggest support network, and uh, we had a few sort of training camps with Scotland at the time and they used to drive me everywhere they used to drive me to training and just sitting in a sports hall throwing balls by myself so it was it was probably a bit boring for them but but they were great really really supportive and um yeah I remember the day I left I went with my friend actually at the time Christopher he came with me as as my sports assistant so every botch athlete has a sports assistant just to help them prepare for matches uh carry things and and do things that we're not physically able to do so he came along and so it was great just to have him there and, and again you could enjoy this trip with your best friend it was really good so you spoke um you spoke a bit earlier about how when it came to becoming a, a Paralympic athlete you'd need um somebody to actually compete with um and that's where that's where your brother Peter comes in you also said that he was a couple years older than you um how how was it uh, actually having somebody to be able to train with considering at the time it wasn't like there was clubs that people could go to every single week but now all of a sudden it's you and somebody who you're already so used to in in, in your own brother how what was that like it was great you know my my brother's probably my biggest inspiration in, in what he's been through so to to spend pretty much well we used to throw six days a week so pretty much every day training together for about four hours at a time just in the sports hall it, it, it was great it gave us something that we could do together um we both love sport and so it wasn't a chore for us it was something that we really loved and something that We've always been competitive, but I think every brother is. You know, we like to get winner over on each other, and it doesn't matter if it's video games or any sort of sport. So uh, it, it was great. Um, we used to play. That's where we sort of really developed the tactics of the sport, playing together and and understanding what it takes to to perform. You know, at, at the highest level. I'll say that Pete probably took to it quicker than I did in terms of he was able to to you know rise up the rankings fairly quickly. I remember his very first competition. He took the world number one to to a tiebreak in his first match. I think it was a double tiebreak. It was the most incredible experience. I've never seen a double tiebreak since. But yeah, Peter managed to do it. First ever match against the world number one. Uh, and there's me that's been playing a couple of years before him and couldn't win a match. So he really took to it. Uh, better than I did at that level. Yeah, ma- many people talk about the step from um, sort of uh, participating in a sport on their own uh, and participating in a sport in part of a team as sort of a bit of a daunting step, especially if it is at a young age. Um, how do you think uh, being in someone and your brother helped both of your developments? 
yeah, I, th- I think it really did help both both our condition because we knew that we have the degenerative condition, and this was a way that it helped us just be active for longer. It gave us a purpose, and every day we'd get up, we'd, we'd go to training, we'd do what we do, and, and we used to do it together. So any things he couldn't do, I could do. Like, I don't know, he can get a bag off his wheelchair, but I could do that. He would do it for me, and all this sort of stuff. So all this sort of thing really helped our condition just, just stabilise quite a lot. And in terms of sport, it really took us to the next level. It, it really did, because you could train as much as you want in an individual sport on your own, but at the end of the day, we compete against an opponent. So to to have that opportunity every day, it was great. So we used to set up little leagues who could win the most that week, and there was nothing on it. You know, we we, we weren't we weren't betting or anything, but it, it was just for pride. But certainly something that we really relished. So moving forward a bit, uh, you and uh, Peter are now uh, training together and competing together. Um, when it came to both of your uh, first sort of major competition um, competing together. How did that go? The first major competition we competed together was the World Championships in twin, no, sorry, 2006. And that was in Copacabana in, in Rio. It was great. In pairs, we were very competitive. We always qualified from the group. I think we finished sixth in that competition. So from not basically never playing together internationally ever, to suddenly finishing sixth in the world was was phenomenal. We, you know, to us that was that was like winning it at the time. So and that really gave us the the feeling of do you know what if we stick at this, there's a chance that we can qualify for the Paralympic Games. Um, as much as it was my dream, uh, it was also Pete's. Pete Pete was desperate to to become a Paralympian, and 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 that really drove us both on. So we we went from there in Rio. And then the next one was in Vancouver a year later, uh, where we finished eight. I'll never forget it. We finished eight, and Slovakia finished seven. But as a result, in the world rankings, we had exactly the same points, but they had accumulated their points over the three competitions. So they had Portugal, which I only played individuals, Rio and uh, Montreal. So we all, me and Pete, only two competitions. They had three, and we finished on the same qualification points. But unfortunately, they finished seventh in Vancouver, which meant they qualified for the Paralympic Games and we missed out on sort of points difference because we had to give up our slot to let the host nation, China, take our slot. So that was quite tough to take at the time. But at the end of the day, me and my brother had only been playing together for, what, two and a half years? It was it was a horrible experience not to be not to qualify, but we knew we were pretty new at the sport, and we knew that the next Paralympics was a home games in in London 2012, and that that just spurred us on even more to make sure that that disappointment of missing out and and watching our teammates do so well when they went to Beijing, they won team gold. It was just to make sure that you know we booked our our, our seat there at the next one, and being motivated by. Um just narrowly missing out in in circumstances as tough as that uh it was uh quite obvious that you guys definitely used that as large motivation because um in 2009 um in porto portugal you and pete both went on uh to win gold so what was that like yeah we we used that as motivation that they're not getting selected or actually qualifying for, for Beijing Paralympics, just we worked so hard for a year and a half. Even when the Paralympic Games was on uh, in, in Beijing, we, we were on court. We were checking results in the evening. 
and working as hard as we could. And it really paid off come 2009. Uh, so our first match was against Spain, who were one of the favourites. And we, we absolutely, you know, annihilated them. And I was like, oh, we're doing all right here. You know, something that could reflect. And then we went through. We'd actually qualified from the group into the semi-finals with a game to spare. It was the most incredible experience because we came from going oh, seventh and, and eighth in the previous competitions to all of a sudden, hold on, we, we're playing for a medal here at the European Championships. And in the end, yeah, we we ended up as a trio winning gold and we beat the host Portugal in the final, which Portugal were the, were they the reigning champions? Yeah, they were. They, they were the reigning holders of the Europeans and it was in their backyard. So it, it, it was just the most incredible experience that the first medal we won together as a pair was European gold. And it almost feels like the the start of a redemption story of some sort. But in terms of development, that wasn't only happening in your Paris competitions. As an individual, you were also um, improving as well because just a year later, you managed to claim silver. I did, I did. But this, this, the say you learn from mistakes and you learn from setbacks, and, and that's that's so true when it comes to, to, to myself. We spoke just before about missing out on Beijing and how that sort of inspired me and my brother to, to do well in 2009. Um, but also at that competition in 2009, I, I was unfortunately declassified in, in my sports. So again, it was such a big setback. And I was training for a year, not knowing if I would ever be able to play again or be uh, classified back in. So that was probably the toughest year, 2009 to 2010 of, of my career. But I did get back in in 2010. And it was the World Championships in Lisbon. And again, it was just like, felt so great to be back at home in a boccia court that, that it was just like, yeah, let's go for it. See what happens. Enjoy it again, like I did the very first competition with without pressure. And found myself with two the World Championship finals, one in individuals and one in pairs. And I found myself playing the, the reigning Paralympic champion and the reigning world champion from Brazil in the final. And, and looking back, I had three balls to win it. You know, he was out of balls. I had three balls to win it. This was the first competition where I had won an individual match. And looking back, yes, I probably should have been world champion back then. But I, I just, I think I got sort of finish line fever. Um, and, and, and it just it just wasn't my day. And the better man won. The better man won on the day. So so fair play. But it's sort of, it was great. It, it sort of sort of made me realise that, yes, this is a sport for me. We're very competitive. We're winning European medals, winning world medals, and we could look forward rather than backwards at that point. And you talk there about um, sort of getting um, finish line fever, not not really being able to to see that through. Do you think that was mainly due to the fact that uh, you had never sort of been in a situation like that as an individual? And also in terms of the timeline, it's still... Uh, being in that situation for for how long you'd actually been in the sport for is also something which is um, quite unusual for a lot of sports. But in your case, uh, that's just where you are. How how do you think being so new to the sport and also the year before sort of having the uncertainty, do you think in any way that sort of impacted your performance in the final? You're right, 100%. I was so young that a a silver medal at the World Champs, it felt like I'd I'd won the the Paralympic Games, you know, it was the most inc- incredible experience and, and I was happy with the silver. Uh, being so young to the sport, that was the first competition that had won a match, let alone being 
an individual match, sorry, let alone being in the final of the World Championship. So it, it was all new. It was all a bit strange. And um, yeah, I it probably, well, it was the most incredible experience to, to get that medal around my neck. But again, it did probably hinder me a little bit because uh, it then took me a while to, to get back into an international final. And I think it was because I got so much success so quickly and didn't really you know, sort of reflect and understand the process that it had taken for me to get there, all the little tactics and, and things that the, the athletes use. So I had to develop that side of my game. I knew I was technically, I had all the shots. I knew I could play the shots just as well as anybody else. But tactically, I, I was a little bit naive, a little bit young. And I really had to develop that side of my game before I started to be more consistent. And something which I have actually um, noticed in Vodja is sort of how um, unpredictable some of the results can be. You'll often find that it, it all goes down to who's sort of the best player on the day. But I also think another part of that definitely comes down to the experience and the professionalism of the two people who are competing in the final. Yes, you you are right. You are right. Um, the, the tactics in our sport play play a huge part. So, some guys, you know, you could you could win a match in the cauldron before they even go out. They're just so experienced. And if, if they, they know that their opponent's nervous at all or, or you know, they're tactically not quite there, they can really use that to, the, to their advantage. And your sport, Boccia, is a sport where anybody in the top 16 can win it. So it is a bit like snooker in, in that regard, where anybody on their day can win the gold medal. Jumping forward a little bit more, um, it, it sort of seems like you've you as an individual, and then obviously you and Peter as pairs, you've gone through a lot of ups and downs um, in such a short span of time um, in the sport of boxing, and then uh, here you are uh, being able to achieve your dream um, in a very short time frame. Uh, just two years later on from getting silver and you're making your Paralympic debut, not only that, but also in London on home soil. So just talk us through that experience. Uh, we, we knew that cycle that, that GB were going to get a slot being a host country. But because me and my brother, we missed out on, on Beijing four years earlier, we wanted to make sure also that not only did we be happy just to settle for a, a home slot, we wanted to make sure that we were made in our own right, that we qualified. And, and the, our results were so much so that I think we went to we went to the games, either second or third ranked best pair in the world. Um, so to get that, that call, I'll never forget the email that came through. We were at the gym at the time. Me and my brother were at the gym. We knew that selection was going to be this Friday, uh, so at 11 o'clock. So we're waiting there at the gym, and we we were just so relieved that it was both of us that, that were selected. So that was huge. That was huge. That, that pride of knowing that you have qualified, you have been selected. And for me, my dream has always been to represent Paralympics GB at Paralympic Games and to have the first one being a home games in London, you know, you, you couldn't write this. It was just the most incredible um, journey and, and something that I, I just couldn't wait to, to experience. And everything was was phenomenal. The lead up to it, getting the kit delivered, uh, going to the, the sort of welcome to Paralympics GB events. So all the build up, all the media, it, it, it was a bit more than I, I expected, but it, it, was, it was everything I, I sort of wanted and more. And then... The biggest thing for me was the opening ceremony of London 2012. We were we were waiting outside before we, GB were the last to be paraded around the stadium. So we're waiting outside. We missed I don't know a good 
two hours of the, of the actual ceremony itself. But when, when we walked into this wall of noise and ticker tape was flying round about us and you could see camera flashes, you couldn't see this. You couldn't see the, the, the spectators. All you could see was camera flashes and hear this noise. It, it, it was it was like tangible. You, you felt you could just touch this noise. It was It was amazing. But you knew then that something special was happening. Uh, these games were going to be exactly what I dreamed of and more. And from then on, it was just about what could we do on the court. But that that was 2012 was when I realized my dream and my brother's dream of both becoming Paralympians and to do it alongside your brother. That was extra special. Yeah. And did that? how do you think that impacted your game, having, having a home crowd? And who was able to come out and support you in terms of uh, family and friends, seeming as it? It was so close to home. It was great having a, a home games and home soil. My family's, uh, my immediate family, they've been brilliant. They've came and followed me to world championships and, uh, you know, anywhere I've been really. So to have the Paralympics on our doorstep, it was, they were not going to miss out. So as soon as they could, they were getting tickets. So there was my stepmom, Alison, my dad, uh, my little brother. And at the time, we were also being, being filmed for a documentary called Botcha Brothers, that followed me and my brother. So the the two directors of that, which were Cara uh, Connolly and Martin Clark, both amazing people, they, they managed to get tickets and came and watched us compete in London 2012. And we, especially Pete, we love the crowd, you know, so to have them cheering us on was, was great. It, it just felt the most incredible experience. And if anything, we wanted it louder. Watch it's a sport which is very quiet, very, you know, precision based and don't make a noise. But uh, we were the opposite. You know, we love the noise. We love to be part of that environment. And it, what was great was we would throw a ball going, oh, not sure about that angle or whatever. But the crowd, they were cheering. They were just like, wow, that's amazing. And and we fed we fed off that as, as you know, as a pair and as a country as well. So we ended up playing in three medal matches throughout the whole squad. Four medal matches, actually, which was great on home soil. Thanks for listening to this episode of Paracast. Special thanks to Stephen Maguire for sharing his time and experiences with us. Brought to you by Scottish Disability Sport. Tune in next time for part two of our discussion with Stephen as we continue where we left off. Music